turn to your attention this morning to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, one verse that I want to read in your hearing. It simply says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That the trial of your faith, being more precious than gold, though it be tried with fire, it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Not everything is obvious right away that it's going to have value, that it's going to be beneficial. Some things take time. Some things have to go through the process of the fire. But I want to speak this morning on this subject, your faith on trial. Your faith on trial. Lord, we're thankful for your blessings and goodness. Thankful to be in your house today. Thankful for all of these graduates, all of these young people. Everyone that's assembled in your house today to exalt your name, to glorify you with lifted hands and hearts. I ask you, Lord, that now you would open our minds and spirits to receive your word. Let it minister to us, Lord, and we will give you praise for all things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. Two and a half years ago, I met some amazing people at Shands Hospital in Gainesville just hours after a horrific accident. Uh, I was on vacation with my family up in the mountains of North Georgia and my friend, Brother Kevin Cox, Superintendent, Louisiana, called me and told me about the accident and then asked if I could possibly uh, go to Gainesville and and uh, be with them. So our entire family on our way back, we accelerated that return and we went uh, to Shands Hospital in Gainesville. And there we started meeting some uh, incredible people who had just gone through one of the darkest hours of their life. Uh, Pastor Eric Descant was the pastor of this little church uh, in Louisiana. Uh, I say little, it's it's growing leaps and bounds. And uh, it is a, a tremendous landmark to the testament and the resolve of men and women that know what it is to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost. And uh, Pastor Descan, he uh, was there in the hospital. I met him. He fell in my arms. He um, was, of course, uh, overwhelmed by what had just happened. A semi-truck had come across uh, the median there on Interstate 75 as the, the Pentecostal church's van uh, loaded with chaperones and children. Uh, were headed to Disney World. And uh, they were just going uh, south on 75 over in the far left lane. And a semi got tied up with another car in the northbound lane and came across the median. And then before they could hardly have time to react, it hit the van and just the van accelerated. It just exploded basically and, and splintered off into all different directions, bodies flying everywhere. It was a horrific accident. There were five children that perished in that accident, along with two truck drivers, seven fatalities uh, from that accident. Of course, they were gathering up the pieces. Some of the survivors were in desperate condition physically. They were in hospital rooms. And the pastor said, uh, Pastor Myers, you may not know me, but for two years I've been watching you preach and watching the services at the Pentecostal Church there in Palm Bay. And he said, I know that God brought you here for this time. And so I went into the room and where his wife was and she was still in intensive care and she was in the van but she was going to survive and uh, I was there and got to pray with her and I went around and met some of the other people that um, had children that they had lost in the accident and I met a uh, wonderful uh, young couple uh, that were uh, in there one of the uh, ladies that had been in the accident and had been in the accident with two of her daughters and she was also seven months pregnant. Um, her name was Allie Labore, and she was uh, in a hospital room and had been uh, really banged up. They were not sure if the unborn child was going to make it or not. She had uh, received the news while she was in the hospital room that one of her daughters in the crash had died. The other one uh, was still alive and was in the hospital. We went around and we started uh, trying to minister uh, to these people as best we could. The pastor was amazing. His wife had been in an accident. 
He was trying to be strong for her. He was trying to minister to the families in the church that had lost children and family members and then himself also grieve over the loss of his own granddaughter. It was in the midst of that environment, and I have grown to love these people over the last two and a half years, that we begin to learn that uh, the little baby that was unborn, seven months pregnant, um, little Cambry, she was going to survive. And uh, she did survive. And uh, Lane and Allie um, were the parents. Lane, of course, uh, came in. He had been working offshore uh, on the oil drilling wells in the Gulf of Mexico, and they helicoptered him in. He was brought there, and as you can imagine, uh, trying to deal with all the loss, his wife in a hospital room, pregnant, and the loss of a daughter, and everything that was going on around us. In the meantime, there were media that were uh, inundating them, and the pastor asked me to just handle that, so uh, I, I was trying to fend off Good Morning America and all these national programs, and, and they kept saying, now, who are you? And I said, uh, I'm the spokesman. <laughs> I didn't have a title. I guess I just made up one. And uh, so they're, they're not interested in doing any interviews right now, and I appreciate if you would respect their privacy. And so I tried to just shield them as best we could from... Um, the inundation of all the different media and the requests, and it, it was basically like a feeding frenzy. In the process of all of that, when you go through these types of situations, as, as I became just a, an observer, I didn't obviously have a family member that was in the accident, but they're brothers and sisters in the Lord, and it felt like family. And uh, I cried with them and, and prayed with them, and, and uh, we, we got through each hour as best we could. And over the last two and a half years, I've seen some incredible things happen. One of the things that's happened is that this church became a powerful witness of a God who's faithful to not just the city of Marksville, Louisiana, but to millions of people around the world. The spotlight of this accident giving them a platform to be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then a couple of months later, Allie gave birth to Cambry. I, I spoke with uh, Lane yesterday by text and he gave me permission to show you these two photos because little Cambry was born two months after the accident and they said that she has something extra special on her they said she is full of vim and vigor and vitality and they said she is very special I said oh yeah she is because she was born in the fire she was born in the fire. For some reason, the Lord chose to take Joel, Jeremiah, Kara, Brianna, and Sierra all home on that fateful day on Interstate 75. But he also chose to protect this little unborn child and to breathe into her the breath of life less than two months later. And when I have spoken and had a chance to be with Lane and Allie, it's obvious that God has taken them to a whole new level. I told them that I was going to be speaking today and I wanted to share some of the things that had happened because I'm reminded, especially on this weekend, that we think about Memorial Day and what it means for, for us as a nation to be appreciative to all the people that have given their lives so that you and I can live in the land of the free. I thought about what it means to be a Christian and to walk through some adverse conditions, some situations that we have no explanation for. Ladies and gentlemen, I rise today to declare to you that if you live long enough, your faith will be tested. It'll be tested by circumstances in life that have no explanation. It'll be tested by loss and disappointment. For all of you high school graduates, I want to tell you this, that your faith will be tested by college professors. Your faith will be tested by friends and peers. Your faith will be put on trial if you live for God and decide to follow the principles of his word. Because of my background in the legal field, I, I think about what it means for your faith to be on trial. What does that look like? How does that process unfold? In America, our system of justice is designed to put the truth under strain, to put it under pressure, 
in a trial, the witness is put through the fire of cross-examination to determine the truth or the veracity of those statements that are being made. And even in an appeal, the oral arguments are presented to a panel of judges, and they, they question oftentimes seeming in a, in a hostile way, but they are there to test the presentation of facts, to find its flaws. And the heat of such a battle is to create an atmosphere that the truth or the most logical interpretation of the law can rise to the surface. That's not anything new for the human race. The truth of the apostolic doctrine was proven by adversity. Even the declaration of the ministry of Jesus was proven by adversity. It was told in the prophet Isaiah as The prophecies of the Messiah came forth and we read in chapter 54 and verse 16. He said, behold, I have created the smith or the craftsman, that silversmith or that blacksmith that would design and and, and cause the metal to go through the fire to shape it and to mold it. He said, I've created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, those billows that they will um, create more air and oxygen to go into the fire and they will pump those billows and it's to blow more oxygen and, and, and fuel to that fire so it would burn bigger and brighter and hotter and, and do its work. He said, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. You see, my friend, the fire tests the product. It determines its strength. It can reveal the weaknesses, but what survives is a solid product. I've come today to declare to somebody, you may have gone through the fire, but you're still here. God is designing a vessel of honor and an instrument of praise. You haven't just gone through the fire as some sort of an uh, arbitrary procedure that humans must go through. No, my friend, God has guided you through it and you're here today and what has not destroyed you has made you stronger and you are determined now more than ever before that though your faith was put on trial, you have passed the test and you're still here. You may be limping, but you're still here. You may be wounded, but you're still here. And God is going to prove that he is a faithful God. That's not just the God that blesses you when the sun is shining and everything's going well. But he's a God that will walk with you through the dark days and the uncertain times when you don't have an explanation as to why you're going through it. Yet you found that God is a faithful God. Fire will reveal the weaknesses. But what survives is a solid product because fire is a purifier. It separates. Purify, it has to separate. It will separate your dreams from your destiny. It will separate fantasy from fact. It is the great divide strategically positioned between the reality and the unreasonableness. As a kid growing up with the Super Bowl seasons of the Miami Dolphins in the early 70s, I knew that one day I would wear a Miami Dolphins jersey and play professional football. I had a Miami Dolphin lampstand, I had Miami Dolphin headphones, I had Miami Dolphin pajamas, I had a Miami Dolphins bedspread. You looked like you were at SeaWorld if you walked into my room as a kid. It was a foregone conclusion in my mind that I would be a Miami Dolphin when I was old enough to be drafted. I thought about how that as the first round draft choice coming out of college, so many different teams would be vying for my skills and abilities and how I would have to say no to all of them only to work out a deal behind the scenes to play for the Miami Dolphins but discovered severe scoliosis at 14 years old and a lifestyle of wearing a back brace 23 hours a day through high school changed that dream and introduced me to my destiny. You see, my friend, when you were saved and when I was saved, we not only got the Holy Ghost, we got the fire. 
I say, we not only got the Holy Ghost, we got the fire. Matthew 3 says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We like the Holy Ghost because uh, it's our goosebump machine. We like the Holy Ghost because uh, it'll fill you with joy. We like the Holy Ghost because it promises us eternal life. Uh, but I've come to tell somebody today, you may not have signed up for the fire, but the fire comes with with the Holy Ghost. You hear somebody stand on this platform and you hear them sing under the anointing or preach under the anointing and you say, I want that anointing. You better be prepared. There's a fire that goes with the anointing. The Holy Ghost will fill you up, but the fire will empty you out. Whose fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The fire. It separates the wheat from the chaff. The chaff is the stalk. It has to burn away to reveal the wheat. The fiery trials of life, my friend, burns away some things. But what's left over is not damaged. It's stronger. There's a Camry that's going to come out of the fire. I said, there's a miracle that's going to come out of the fire. I asked Lane, what does the word Camry mean? You named your daughter. He said, it means angel. I feel like somebody right now needs to get a revelation that there's an angel that's going to come out of the fire. You're not going into the fire by yourself. God's developing a vessel of honor. You're going to come through it. And though none of us want adversity, it's a part of life. But I'm thankful for a God who is a faithful friend. And whatever the fire removes, it was nothing but impurities that were going to destroy. But what came out of the fire was something stronger. It was a vessel of honor. Oh, hallelujah. It was a joy, unspeakable joy. What came out of the test was a testimony. What came out of the misery was a miracle. What came out of the battle was a blessing. There's a God, hallelujah, that though you're going through the trial of your faith, he's going to bring something beautiful out of it. An interesting verse in Hebrews refers to Deuteronomy that says that God is a consuming fire. That word consume means to engage fully. To completely occupy. It is all inclusive. It's all enveloping. It's similar to the fire that fell in Mount Carmel. You see, God is not interested in just coming down and and doing some sort of little magic show for you and I. God is not concerned with just a little flash in the pan. When they called fire down from heaven under the prayers of Elijah, they said, with a real God answer by fire. And that fire came down. They had poured 12 barrels of water over the top of that sacrifice. When that fire came, it wasn't just a little flash that somebody could question and think that it was maybe the sun reflecting off of somebody's bracelet. No, my friend, it was an all-consuming fire. It consumed the sacrifice and then the wood and the stone and then the dust and then licked up every drop of water in the trench that was around the altar because when my God does it it's a complete work he's an all consuming fire Sometimes people are distracted. Sometimes people don't understand. Uh, I I even heard an interview with Oprah Winfrey where they asked her about why she had turned from her faith as a child. A friend of mine that's a minister that pastors here across the street was very instrumental when she was just a young lady and praying for her at a Billy Graham crusade. And and, and they've they've remained close over the years and she's been very kind and generous to him. But uh, he he told me about how he prayed for her. She lingered down at the altar, one of those crusades, and he went over there and prayed for her and she had gone through a a difficult childhood and she was now getting into television but was unsure of her future and he said as I prayed with her I told her God's going to bless you beyond your wildest imagination and when he does uh, it's going to be for a purpose and then of course you know it wasn't a few years after that and she began to become well known and and uh, I I thought about that as I watched an interview and uh, and and I heard her say in the interview that she had difficulty with this scripture in Deuteronomy that says he's a consuming fire he is 
is a jealous God. And she said, I had difficulty understanding how this loving God could be a jealous God. And I thought, oh, if I had 15 minutes with Sister Oprah to testify to her, she's misinterpreted what the word jealous is. That doesn't mean that God is vindictive. That doesn't mean that God has some zap stick that he's just trying to wait until you mess up so he can take you out. Oh, no, my friend. It means he's an all-encompassing God. It means he's a consuming fire. It means that he's a God that'll be with you, not just on Sunday morning, but he's there on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. He's there when everything's going good. And he's there when friends walk away. He's there when a doctor says you got cancer. He's there when your spouse walks away. He's there when your child walks away. He is an all-consuming fire. Oh, I feel like praising God in this house right now. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Woo, Jesus. Jealous God means he'll fight for you. He's not a fair weather friend. In Exodus chapter 14, we read about the children of Israel who had gone through 400 years of fire. Adversity every day. Working and living as slaves, their backs being beaten. And calling on God every day, every night. Come on kids, let's pray. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Lord, we know you've not forgotten us. Send us some help. God's working out in the desert with a guy by the name of Moses. Who had been run out of town. Who was a fugitive. Living in the wilderness. Back there behind the mountain. But he sees a bush that's on fire. But it's not being consumed. Ooh, hallelujah. He said, what is this? This is unusual. And he says, I'm going to go check it out. Here's a voice from God. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. God calls him. He takes, of course, all the different adversity, the plagues. He goes to Egypt and he stands before Pharaoh and brother Aaron is there to help him speak the right words and they go through the process of these plagues and finally the children of Israel are are turned loose and they head out into the wilderness but after a while Pharaoh realizes he's just said goodbye to three to five million people free labor how are we going to build these pyramids how are we going to get all this done what did we think we were doing turning the Hebrews loose? So he sends his elite army out after him. And they come up before the Red Sea and they can't cross. And then they say, we're going to die. They turn on Moses. Did you not have enough graves in Egypt? You brought us out into the desert to die. But he says, stand still and see the salvation of God. And the Red Sea rolls back. Oh, my friend, your God can make a way when there seems to be no way. And verse 19 said, And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel removed and went behind him. And the pillar of cloud went before their faces and stood behind them. That that had been leading them, uh, it changed direction and it came around and stood behind I want to tell somebody today that the God that you're serving is not just a God that's got your future. And he's not just a God that illuminates your path for tomorrow. He's also a God that's got your back. You know, sometimes they call that your six. You know, you look at a clock, it's 12 and six is behind. So they call that your six. Whenever you don't can't see what's happening back there, God is still at work. When you don't understand and you can't see it, it's it's invisible to you. God is still at work. You don't know how many times God has protected you and you weren't even aware of it. Somebody decides to rob your neighborhood. They can't touch your house. A screech of car tires going through an intersection. Somehow there was a shield around your car as all you could do is cry out to Jesus, a germ on a piece of bread, making its way to your mouth uh, at a hamburger joint. But God protected you because he's not just in front I feel my help now. He's not just in front of you. He's also behind you. He is working in ways that you can't ever see or understand. Mm. Jesus Faith is on trial because I'm facing something I don't understand and I'm hurting and I'm reeling. But I got a God that's going to protect me from behind. 
Because the accuser of the brethren is trying to destroy my faith. It wants to destroy your faith. But Jesus said, I'll send an angelic host around behind you. That will protect you. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them. It was darkness to the Egyptians. But it gave light to the Israelis. One cloud. Two sides. One side given darkness to the Egyptians. The other side given light to the Israelites. The same cloud. Dark on one side and light on the other. The Egyptians symbolizes the world, the thought patterns of the world, the actions of the world, the desires of the world. And if you have that, your God will be darkness to you. Your faith will be challenged and all you'll see is darkness because you live in a fog of question and frustration because you're on the wrong side of the cloud. And the cloud will visit all of us. But what side are you on? Circumstances, loss, heartache. It's common to everybody. These children are going to live long enough that they're going to go through things that they have no explanation for. These young people are going to go through things they have no explanation for. You've gone through things you have no explanation for. But I've come to preach to somebody today that there's a cloud, hallelujah, that though you're facing dark times, If you'll stay with God and pass the test, you're going to see the light of God's love shine through bright. Your faith is going to be challenged, but you're going to see something different than what everybody else sees. You see, Israel symbolizes the child of God that loves God, that seeks after the things of God, that wants God. Your God is going to be a light to you. It's the same God, but it's two sides. You see, my friend, everybody's going to face adversity. It's not just for the wicked. It's not just for the saints. It's for everybody. It's common to us all. It doesn't mean that you're a child of God or you're not a child of God. If your faith is being challenged, the children of Israel's faith was being challenged. But oh, in the midst of the cloud, they saw the light. It was revealed to them that God... God was on their side. Oh, my friend, God is going to test you and God's going to test me. And life is going to test us all. And the question we have to resolve today is, are we going to follow the crowd or are we going to follow the cloud? Are we going to just do what everybody else does and end up a bitter old man or a bitter old woman? Because the nursing home in America is filled with bitter people. But I have been in the hospital rooms of a saint of God that are taking their last breath. But they've got a song in their heart and they got a praise in their lips. You know why? Because they have followed the cloud of God's love. Three Hebrew children had to go to the fire not knowing if they would live or die. Their faith was on trial. There's going to be times when you feel like everything is against you. To these graduates, there's going to be times when it feels like everybody's against you. We look at these three Hebrew children and we think that they got the victory when they came out of the fire. And the Bible says there wasn't even the smell of smoke on their clothes. But I say to you today, they got the victory before they ever went into the fire. You say they they, they were the best of the best. The, The Babylonians under the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, their king, had taken the children of Israel captive. And he'd taken the best young men, those that were the brightest, those that had the highest IQs, those that scored the best on their tests, those that had the scholarships, those that were athletic, those that were the top of the top. The cream of the crop, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. They checked all of the boxes and he called them, pulled them in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, there were all of these young men. He pulled in and said, we can use you in the Babylonian kingdom. And so they used them and the other group got jealous and they had to find a way to trap them. So they tried to use their their faith in Jehovah God against them. They they pray every day. Why don't we tell the king he ought to make a gold statue of himself and put it up. And at the sound that everybody gives, there's a decree, the music that go forth that causes everybody to be morphed into the 
same way of thinking. They'll play the music. It'll hypnotize them and everybody will bow down. They knew that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down. And so that happened and they did not bow down. And they said to the king, here, we got pictures on our cell phone of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They did not bow down. He calls them in. What's up, guys? Come, he didn't bow down. We can't bow down, O king. We only can bow down to the Jehovah God of Israel. He's insulted. He's done so much for these young guys. They're not appreciative. He tells them, go heat up the fire ten times hotter than ever before. I'm talking about now, not a metaphorical fire. I'm talking about a physical fire. Go heat it up. Got so hot, even the people that were working on making it hot died. Even the soldiers that threw them in died. It was that hot. Says, your God going to deliver you from this fire? That's where he made his mistake. Pitted himself up against their God. That's a big mistake. They answered and said, we don't know if our God is going to deliver us. But here's what we do know. He is able. He's able. Somebody got to get that revelation today. I don't know if God's going to do it. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know where. But here's what I know. He is able. Is God going to heal your cancer? I don't know. But he's able. Is God going to deliver you from sickness? I don't know. But he's able. Is God going to heal your marriage? I don't know. But he's able. Here comes the victory. That even if he doesn't deliver us, we will not bow down. There's the victory right there. There's the victory before you ever get to the fire. You got to settle that question. That was the victory even before they ever got to the fiery trial. He's able. But even if he doesn't, you got to make up your mind right now, even before you go through the trial. I'm not living for God for the sole purpose of getting a favor. Come on, somebody got to make up in your mind. I'm not just following around a spiritual Santa Claus and I'm only going to serve him when he feels my wish list. No, God doesn't owe you one more blessing. God, that's, oh, I wish I had some help. God doesn't owe me one more miracle. God doesn't owe me one more answered prayer. He is able. He is God. He can do anything. from God what if God doesn't get you a job what if God doesn't heal your body what if God doesn't answer your prayer we still will not bow we still going to walk with God we're still going to believe we're still going to love God I wish he hadn't taken Sister Basin. I love her dearly. But I'm still going to walk with God. And we're still going to lift up the name of Jesus in the city of Palm Bay and Melbourne. There comes a point in time when every man, woman, boy and girl got to make up in your mind. I've been tested, but I'm still here. There came a point in the ministry of Jesus when his followers left him. John chapter 6 and verse 66 from that time. There are a lot of people around when he's multiplying fishes and loaves and feet and healing and leprosy's disappearing and withered hands are being stretched forth and blind eyes are open. A lot of crowd, a lot of people. But when he started talking about the crucifixion, he started talking about eating this body. Say what? I ain't into cannibalism. He been out in the sun too long. Oh, you don't understand what Jesus is saying. You got to trust him even when things don't make sense. From that time, many of his disciples went back. Disciples! Disciples! Not just the crowd. Disciples. They all went back and they walked no more with him. 
Jesus turned to the twelve, His inner core, the twelve. He said, will you also go away? Simon Peter, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. We got no other options. There ain't nobody else promising eternal life, only Jesus. You've got the words of eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter who tells you what. Whatever philosophy, whatever book you read that's got you questioning your faith. I'm here to tell you something right now. All of it's going to end at the grave. But there's one, hallelujah, that says, If the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ shall quicken your mortal bodies, and His Spirit that dwelleth in you, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet Him in the air. Where else are we going to go, Jesus? There was no miracle to save Peter's life. He died for his faith. There was no miracle to save Stephen's life. He died for his faith. There was no miracle to save Paul's life. He was beheaded by that crazed man Nero, Emperor Rome, because of his faith. Most of the disciples had to establish, but if not, it's at this point, ladies and gentlemen, that faith becomes trust. Faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things voked, the substance of things hoped for, but trust does not require evidence. Trust does not require substance. Trust does not have a conditional requirement. Trust is settled. That's the place that Job had to get to. In Job 13, he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation for an hypocrite shall not come before him. If I die, I will still maintain my ways. Job is declaring he is my salvation. You've got to get to that point. He's my salvation. And if everybody else walks away and I'm the only person in my school serving God, I'm still going to walk with God. He is my salvation. You can't come up in here saying that you believe in God when things get a little tough for you. You start to question God. Your love for Him cannot be just predicated on how well things are going in your life. Job said, a hypocrite shall not come before Him. Oh, but you got to listen to the cry of Job. Behold, I go forward, and He's not there. And backward, and I cannot perceive Him. On the left hand, where He doth work, I cannot behold Him. He hideth Himself on the right hand, but I cannot see Him. But, 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 He knows the way that I take and when I am tried when this faith goes on trial when I'm going through the fire I shall come forth as gold somebody's going through the fire but I've come with a word from the Lord for you today you're going to come forth as gold you're going to come forth as a vessel of honor I trust in you Lord Trust in you, Lord. Lord has got all of us as vessels in the fire. But what comes out of the fire is something that he trusts in. Just as the smith puts that vessel in the fire, everything burns off of it, but what comes out is molded and shaped, puts it up in the window of his shop. It's a vessel of honor. It can handle a full blessing of content. Do you know God's got some bountiful blessings for you? But He's got to know, can He trust you? Or is the blessing going to just spill out on the ground? Got to go through the fire to become a vessel of honor what he did with Job. He put that vessel up. He said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Vessel's gone through the fire. Job went through the fire long before we picked up his testimony. God trusted him. That's why he blessed him. And he trusted him that he could handle the adversity. Sometimes we may say, God, I wish you didn't trust me so much. (laughs) Just hang in there. He's going to fill my cup, oh Lord. He's going to fill it up with joy, unspeakable joy.
David said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock in Him will I trust. David had to learn it's more than just believing. It's trusting. It's more than just worshiping. It's being able to walk through the lonely days and the nights when there's nobody else around and the harp won't play and there's no song in your heart. And you said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm not going to fear no evil. He's going to take me through. Oh, my friend, you're going through the fire right now. But I said, God's going to take you through. He is your shield. He's the horn of your salvation. Like David said, he's a high tower and he's my refuge. And that trust was born in the times of pain and fatigue. The three Hebrew children did not just arrive at their resolve. They had been tested before. Job did not just arrive at his resolve. He had been tested before. They had been captured. They had been taken as slaves. They had put God to the test. God had come through. When the new king required them to eat meat that was against the law, they passed that test. They stayed true to their beliefs and God just kept rewarding them and pushing them further. And rewarding them. They had been through the fire before they ever went through the fire. But now this fire was just a trial to witness to the king. Those people going through that accident losing their children. That was a fire. Some of them had already been through the fire. And God trusted them. And so now just as the fiery furnace of the three Hebrew children. Revealed to the king. Didn't we not? We throw three in there. But now there's four in there. And it looks like the fourth is the son of man. How does a pagan king know what the son of man looks like? Maybe he'd seen the Lord in a dream. Maybe there was something in that man's heart. And now this fire was simply a test. So that it could be revealed to the king of Babylon. That my God is a faithful God. Marksville, Louisiana. The apostolics of Marksville, Louisiana. Your testimony now is not just to Marksville. Your testimony is not just to central Louisiana. Your testimony now through that accident two and a half years later has reached millions of people around the world. Who knows, ladies and gentlemen, but the test you're going through now is just a test that's going to broaden your ministry so you can have a testimony that God is faithful. Hallelujah. And there's going to come a message. There's going to come a revival. There's going to come things that you and I cannot even perceive in our mind. I know the test was a purging, but it was to be a witness to the unbeliever. Where was Boaz before Ruth came along? Would we have even heard of Boaz without this little lady of faith? Would we have heard of Job without his trial? He was not a preacher or a prophet. He was just a man that settled the question. But if not, Psalms 511, But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. I got to read that again. Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. If you trust in God, you got a reason to rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. How am I going to shout for joy? Because thou defendest them. Oh, you said, I'm going through a lot right now, preacher, but I still got joy. Because I put my trust in him. And I got a revelation that he's defended me. He's not just a God preparing my future. He's a God that is protecting me from my past. I realize now why I went through the trial. I don't have to live a life of bitterness. I don't have to live a life of anger. I realized that God brought me through because he gave me a testimony. David said, let those also that love thy name be joyful in it. Anybody in this place love the name of Jesus? You ought to be joyful in that. You know where to go. You know at the midnight hour you can call upon the name of Jesus and he's there. Stand to your feet. Vessels of honor. Mentioned in four different places in the New Testament. 
How do we become vessels of honor? We're vessels, but how do we become vessels of honor? We're flesh. We're made from the dust, from the clay. One day, if the Lord tarries, we will return. How does this vessel become a vessel of honor? Ladies and gentlemen, there's only one process. It's fire. It's got to go through the fire. The trial of your faith. You got to go through the trial. Do you think you'd walk on streets of gold? Gold is not there until it's produced through the fire of adversity. How did we think we were going to walk on streets of gold without going through adversity in this life? Yes, I've been through the fire. God just wanted to trust me with a blessing. Can I trust you with favor? Can I trust you with a blessing? Can I go through the fire? Jesus. 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 Know you not that I am the author and I am the finisher of your faith. I am in control of all things. Jesus. And yea, it is through the fire that I have complete fellowship with you. You are in my hands. I will never leave you. Lord, forsake you. Know you not that you are becoming a vessel for me, a light that shines out into this darkened world. Jesus. And I will use you as an instrument of praise unto yes. I am with you always. I am with you always. I am with you always. You've had trials, 
you've had disappointments. But today you're making up your mind. I'm still going to worship you, Lord. I'm still going to bless your name, Lord. question. I came today with a praise. I came today with a declaration in my mouth. Your kingdom. Be 